We are back here at All 22. Kelly Kale, it's been a hot minute, man. What's going on out here? What's in the streets for us? Hey, life, life got in the way, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, life really got in the way for, for me. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah it, don't, it don't stop out here. Uh, so it's good to be back, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of All 22. I'm your uh, co-host, Fred Curtis. I have the co-host, Kelly Dossie. I actually like our post draft summer shows a whole lot better like those i think are just like rich and analysis and whatnot like because everybody has like draft opinions and it's kind of annoying to be honest um like it's so <laughs> it's hard amazing. to break man it's just so hard to break through the noise this time of year it's just like all right man like y'all got all these projected mock drafts and tra- that used to be like a back internet thing and now you got these quote-unquote draft experts like projecting mm-hmm. trades i'm just like man y'all y'all gotta chill like this is out of hand yeah I don't, I don't like the you know i don't like the projected <laughs> trade i get it but you know i don't know a team like the patriots obviously they need a quarterback for the i don't i don't think they're expecting to you know sign cam to a multi-year extension yeah but i think they you know i think they want a quarterback but it's like i don't know too many projected trades and then I do like the big board. I like the big board more than the actual mock draft. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, this guy is, you know, we're not just ranking the quarter, the best quarterback number one overall. Right. Which, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, that's 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 just easy. You actually watch and tape, but all right, this guy is legit. <laughs> Although it's crazy. Him to it. My bad. No, I was done. You got it. No, I mean, it's crazy because, like, I'm looking at PFF's big board, and I've been following, you know, this since the end of the season. And it's almost like – and this is this is how you know there's just immense groupthink uh, within draft yeah. circles because, like, they have Zach Wilson as the second overall prospect. And we're going to talk about this, and we talked about this in a previous episode. I love Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Zach Wilson is not the second-best player in this draft, um, no. period. And so it's just like, it's almost like some of these big, you know, draft football, whatever companies start like really going into the group thing. It's like, all right, if we're going to have a quarterback taking this high, he has to be ranked this high. Like they've got Mac Jones as the 13th best, excuse me, 14th best best player in this draft. I like Mac Jones. (laughs) I really do. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later. Mac Jones is not the 14th best player in this draft. (laughs) Like. I, I I don't is there a reason I, I agree, like, do, do they just want to align with like what mock drafts are going like it's starting to, that's why I say starting to get out of hand like I'm getting to a point where I only look at big boards and not yeah. mocks because mocks are number one wild number two quarterbacks just get overdrafted and we've accepted that it's going to keep happening in they do, they do. but like your projected trade your and just it's it's getting wild. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. We're happy to have you all back. Uh, if you want to support our work, that'd be tremendous. You can go to www.relentless.love. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff. Relentless.love slash releases. If you're looking to buy some books, uh, some merchandise, the wonderful shirt Kelly has on now. If you're looking on YouTube or whatever, you can see it. Mm-hmm. If not, just go to the website. You can see it. Also, guys, this sweet little sweatshirt, Jesus and the Therapist, is dope, comfortable. And after multiple washes, it still feels the same. So stop buying them little cheap $8 shirts <laughs> that shrink the first time exactly. you wash it. Y'all know which shirts I'm talking about. Um. Anyway, our stuff is dope. Yeah, I was about. Right. I was about to uh, say a, a brand name, but we're not gonna do that. <laughs> oh, I was too, but it's cool. It's all right. 
We, we, we're probably we, thinking the same brand, but and yeah, no shade. Yeah. It's just oh, know, it's plenty of shade. Yeah, <laughs> sell good products. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sell good products, yeah. and I mean, it, there is a place for that brand. Like if if we're doing yes. a mass, you know, family family reunion type deal, <laughs> we're gonna go right. with that brand, right? Because <laughs> it's probably a one time wear, but nice yeah. and cheap, right? We, we pride right. ourselves on good good products across the board. We be R and D out here, research and development. That takes that takes yep. time and money. So support support the good stuff. Relentless love slash releases. All right, today's show. We're gonna talk about real quick. We're gonna talk about Deshaun Watson. Um, we're I don't want to say a little late to the game. It's still ongoing, how that impacts the Texans and their future, um, which is just in the gutter, to be completely honest. But we we said this was going to happen last offseason. No one listened to us. Yes, we <laughs> like, did say that. <laughs> this is writing on the wall. And there's nothing surprising about what's happening in this organization right now. Like, nothing. Um, everybody was like, oh, they just went to the divisional playoff. I'm like, okay, you just keep on living. It was a fluke. It was a fluke. <laughs> was we a said fluke. that. <laughs> like, I mean, anyway, they play in the AFC South. All right, we'll dive into that. Um, and after that, we're going to go over our big boards. We're doing top 10. So top 10 big boards for um, Kelly and I. And then we'll go into uh, mock draft top 10s as well. I did my mock draft as of what they should do instead of what I, I did. Too. Okay. Well, instead I, of what I, I put, no, I actually did mine of what uh, I would do. That's mm. because what they should do is, what we think they should do, I don't know. It's just That's never real. the case. That's right. Because man. some teams are like, okay, we're just going to take the best player available. Like Atlanta a few years ago, they drafted Calvin Ridley. They needed something else. Yes. But that was obviously the best person on their board that was left, so they took mm-hmm. him. So some teams do best player available no matter the position, unless it's quarterback. They're lying if they say, you know, you got a number number one overall pick. Somehow, and you have a pretty solid quarterback. Yeah. They're not taking another quarterback, right? But um, and other teams just do. Okay, what's the best? Who is our? What's our biggest need? Okay, we're gonna take that position player, and who's the best at that position at that point? So I just did mine as all right. Who I would take? So it's good that we have kind of a you know different aspect. Yeah, I mean, I think so. You're you're absolutely right, and I. I a lot of teams, I think the better teams, the teams that end up competing every year, are we're taking the best player available. Kansas City, yeah. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Like, I've, I've never, not never, they do it sometimes, but seldom do they reach to say, oh, we have this need. Because you, you can't expect a rookie to come in, oh, we really need an offensive tackle or we really need a pass rusher. Oh, okay, let's take this rookie at like 22 overall. He's going to, like, you don't know if he's actually going to be any good. So, like, just take, you don't know. <laughs> So just take the guy. You don't hit like that. Every, you know, everybody's not Quentin Nelson. <laughs> bro, that's my guy. Um, all right, he's already the best offensive lineman in the league. Or, I saw I saw a post on Twitter. I forgot the other three offensive linemen, but they, you know, they were asking who's the best. Oh, there is no Quentin Nelson. Without I can't remember. I wish I remember who they put in the post, but it was three others, and I think they were all tackles, and he was like the only guard. If I find it, I'll I'll shoot it to you. But it's it's Quentin Quinn Nelson, no doubt. That guy's now. He was the best player in his draft by far, and it was um it was the unsexy thing because like oh he's a guard. I'm like this this isn't close, y'all. Like 
<laughs> he, he is the best player in this draft. Just the freak gonna be dominating people and pancaking them for like 15 more years. Anyway, I get excited to watch okay. guys in the trenches. Um, all right, Deshaun Watson. Um, he's had quite the eventful offseason and he's created all this for himself, to be completely honest. So signs yeah. an extension last year, I think it was in September. Um, <clears throat> multi-year extension, takes his guaranteed money. Um, with every writing on the wall, knowing they have no first round picks and that Bill O'Brien just doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and then they have an awful season. That's expected. Uh, and then he wants to request a trade. I am not saying, and when all this came out, there was chatter around, you know, is this something the Texans front office is leaking or planting? So I think the evolution of this, I don't want to call it a story because the allegations are very, um, are very serious. And so I don't want to minimize it to something that's just talked about in sports circles. The evolution of this incident or series of incidents rather um, has, has been quite demystifying. Uh, so Deshaun Watson was accused of uh, sexual assault by, I think it was just one woman at first. Uh, and then there were several. And then since then it has ballooned. Now he has 22 civil lawsuits against him for sexual assault and misconduct at first he came out just blatantly denying all of them talking about oh i can't wait to you know have my character restored and all this other stuff um and and as the weeks go by now it's now it's uh engulfed into oh well some of the acts are consensual look i'm, I'm gonna just say this and keep it moving whenever someone starts vehemently denying anything from the get-go and then as as yeah. more pressure comes oh well yes but some of the acts are consensual that just sound like rape to me um, am I wrong? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. I try not to. <laughs> so, okay. So being transparent, if, so if a, from, from, from my history and just from, from hearing things and talking to different people. So let's just say a woman hears a rape allegation, uh-huh. a man uh, allegedly raped, sexually assaulted, whatever a woman, a woman's brain. Um, I want to. I just want. I'll say majority of the time is going to assume the man is guilty until proven innocent. Essentially, true. My brain automatically thinks whether it's right or not, right or wrong. I'm thinking this guy has money. She's just trying to get some money. Just without any information, that's just where my brain goes. Just yeah. because, you know, I've seen falsely accused um, men over time, especially men with status, uh-huh. but you get falsely accused because the woman wants something. Uh-huh. Um, so when it first came out, that's what I thought. And then I'm like, it's 30, what is it, 30 plus? What's well, up the 23 now or? with civil suits? Okay. Yeah. So, so 20 plus women. And then I did read some articles where, um, about 10 or so women um, who was his per, uh, personal masseuse around the country, they came out and said, well, everything, all the experiences I've had with Deshaun were professional, you know, um, those areas like the growing area, the lower back are just areas where he always get, gets treated because, you know, he's an athlete. He plays football. And I'm thinking, yeah, he plays football. So, and I, you know, I'm a former athlete. I know those are areas that need to be treated. And this guy making millions of dollars for the people who say, well, why does he need more than one? <laughs> That's why he's in different parts of the country. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm still conflicted because I'm like, okay, it is 23 women, but then you have this other side where it's, okay, these women are coming to his defense and saying it was professional. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to believe, honestly. But it's hard to not believe when it's 23 women. It's like the Tiger right. Woods thing. You know, <laughs> he can deny it, but, yeah. <laughs> bro, these women are coming out the woodwork once one came out. Mm-hmm. So it's something there. I don't know if it's rape. You know, rape mm-hmm. and sexual assault you know, are different. Um, so Very true. I don't know which one it is. You know, maybe maybe he did, you know, a little bit of groping or some inappropriate behavior. I, I don't know the details, but, um, and it's hard because it's hard because it's Deshaun Watson, because we know or what he's represented, what he's presented himself as <laughs> we see that person. Mm-hmm. So then you hear this, it's like, nah, man, I can't believe that. Yeah. But you just can't push away. Um, you know, we pushed away, <clears throat> women for so long in in our society anyway um so i get to thinking about that like i can't just silence these women and it's 20 plus but i'm also thinking well Deshaun has been a great guy man yeah <laughs> so I, i've been conflicted the whole time excuse me yeah i mean i think it's and i should preface this by saying you know b- both of us are from georgia not far from where Deshaun played high school football. And so, you know, I don't think either of us know him personally, but being from where he's from and having some sort of pulse, I mean, you coach high school football. I go to a lot of high school football games when I'm in Georgia and, you know, still have some connections, so on and so forth. You, you at least hear more stories about him. In the same way, like I've interacted with people and heard a lot of stories about Trevor Lawrence. The guy's a fantastic kid by all indications, so on and so forth. Like it's just, it's not just what we see on TV or here in the news, so on and so forth. So I think that adds an extra layer to the, is this really this guy? Like, you know, I've heard so many wonderful things about him directly from people who exactly. know him. Not like, oh, he did this in the news, but like, you know, folks who are, who, you know, who coached him or, you know, part of his circle, whatever. Um, 20 plus is, is tough. And it's hard for me to believe that 20 people are, are all lying about something. Are all lying, like 100% lying. Yeah. Maybe a few are fabricated, maybe, but it's just not a, it's hard to, I don't want to say anything in absolute because I don't know, I wasn't there, but it's hard to believe 23 women are completely lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all that, stories are similar. That's that's tough, man. Yeah. And we got just... it. We, have to put the name aside and just kind of look at what's going on. Yeah. I think at the, at the end of the day, well, I'll, I'll, I'll voice this and then we can get into what this means for the Texans from a football perspective. I think one of the things I, I like to always sort of talk about teach, especially to younger men is the realization that, at some point, every every man has made a woman feel uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no matter how much of a good guy you think you are. Now, granted, I always like to be clear about the uncomfortability does not equal sexual assault. Uncomfortability is not equal rape, so on and so forth, right? So, like, I am not by any means saying every every guy is, 
you know, a, a rapist, harasser, so on and so forth. But, you know, I'm sure there have all been situations, whether we, whether we recognize it or not, um, in which we've, we've made women feel uncomfortable consciously or subconsciously. And so then what becomes paramount is particularly for someone, I think, of, of his status is in every situation, you have to be hyper aware of what might come or what could be accused of you. Right now, these are still allegations, right? I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make any prognostications about what did or did not happen. Uh, however, even as a professional myself, I you know I work in politics. I work with a lot of women. I travel a lot. It's just it's just not possible for me to not be in situations um, where I'm you know alone with women. That's just not how my my job works. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> like, it's not a matter of, oh, I'm scared of being me too. And I can't be alone with women. It's like the same way they say, oh, you know, there are things you can do to, to, to not get raped from women. The key is to not, the key to stopping rape is just not rape. Like just, yeah, just yeah, be yeah, an yeah. upstanding man. Um, be, be, be not even upstanding. Just, just be a decent human being. Like we're not going to high five you and give you points for not sexually assaulting women, you know? Um, for somebody like him, who's a millionaire who has masseuses all over the country, I think rather than these, these guys just need to accept and admit that, look, there might be situations to where he might've just made some of them feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. One, you need to become more hyper aware of when you're making women feel uncomfortable. That's the first thing. And number two, for someone in your situation in which your status, you just need to create environments in which you can be above reproach. And if that means, you know, you've got a, a, a friend who sits in the corner and reads books and listens to podcasts whenever you're getting a massage, like I, I'm, I, I am in a position to where I want to put the onus on men, one, to just not do things that you shouldn't do, which is touch women inappropriate, which is talk to them inappropriately, which is to sexually assault um, or rape them. All right. That's just stuff you should not do. We're not going to give you brownies or high fives or cookie points for not doing those things. So the onus is on us. But then number two, when, when you are someone like him in a situation to where, look, man, you, you can pay somebody $70,000 a year with healthcare and other things to just like, to just protect you, oh. just to just protect your state. Right. Oh, and you. you know what I'm saying? And like that, 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 that is the onus that men need to take on now, I think is one, not being assholes. And then two, just like, it's, it's not, I don't think, I'll close it out this way because I'm kind of going all over the place. I think the history of violence against women l creates an environment where, for me at least, it's okay to assume that when you have multiple women accusing a man of something that they are telling the truth. I'm okay with that being the default. And usually you know, there's time, there's discovery, there's evidence that if he is indeed innocent, that comes to light. There have been circumstances of that lately. My problem with that is the, the, the times where women accuse a man of something and it's not true and it ends up being a hoax are far lower than the times when that man has actually committed what he's alleged to do. So this is the acknowledgement that yes, that does happen. There are times when, you know, women make rape allegations and they're not true. But the other times are just so much more and so disproportionately true. I think that's become my, my default there. Um, I don't know. It's a difficult situation. Um, it, 
it is. But I, I think it's an opportunity for all of us, us as, as men, particularly as black men, to I don't want to say learn from. I, I don't I don't want to diminish, you know, such serious allegations as an opportunity for, you know, men to learn things they should have already been taught. But I, I do think there's there's time and space for for modification of behavior, rather. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it especially highlights. Well, it should at least put a position in your brain where it's like, if you're in, you know, we might not be in that situation where we're traveling, we have different massage therapists and all of that, but it, it puts a um, position in our brain where it's like, all right, man, we need to be careful of what we say, uh-huh. especially because, you know, simple simple sayings or uh, passings that we <clears throat> have towards women can be sexual harassment. And we may not think it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. They feel, you know, it's the difference is you have to be, you have to think about, um, I'm making this woman uncomfortable just because maybe I'm just sim- simply trying to flirt, but she just doesn't want to entertain it. And that's okay. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> like leave her you just take it on the chin, bro. She, she doesn't want you. I'm like, okay, just back off. <laughs> my, my bad and just move on. It's an uncomfortableness. It's sexual harassment, sexual assault, and it's rape. So that's four different things that you have. Rape is obviously, that's, come on. Like, right. you're not putting too much thought in it. You're, you're just doing what you want to do no matter what she says. Right. But, you know, the other three things, you just got to be hyper aware of all right, man, this is, I'm putting myself in a situation, but I'm, you know, I have to be hyper aware of, all right, I'm not trying to make this woman uncomfortable. <laughs> For one, that's what I should do. Two, but I'm not trying to be locked up. <laughs> so, Facts. I mean, do what you need like, to do, bro. <laughs> yeah, like it's twofold here, right? Like, yeah, it's just, I, I think, I think as men, we just need to be more, we need to continuously be hyper aware of how we are making or how we might be making women might, feel. Yeah. Might. Might is the key word there. Um, and 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 I have dudes like, oh well, how how do you know and all this? You can ask. You can <laughs> you can just ask. Am I making you, you feel uncomfortable right now? Like yeah. And the, and if she says yes, modify your behavior and stop. Like because <laughs> you, you know if you know before you it's like that risky text. Yes. <laughs> when you you're, know what you're saying. <laughs> you know what you're saying you know, okay, she can respond this way or this way. So I might pull a LOL at the end just so, you know, <laughs> I can be like, okay, I was just kidding. So it's just like that risky text, that risky behavior. You're going to think about it. Okay, she may respond this way, which probably want her to respond this way, or she might respond another way. And if she responds differently, just my bad, you know, I'm sorry. And just move on. <laughs> Offer an apology and keep it moving, right? Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that that's the onus. We as men got to do better. And I know a lot of men, you know, say, oh, I don't know any, I don't know any, you know, men like that. My, my dudes are, are upstanding gentlemen. And that may be the case. The problem is yeah. most men believe that they don't have men that are harassers or abusers. And so yeah. someone, I don't even want to say is lying. Sometimes dudes are lying. Other times you there's a there's a there's a a tendency or just a cover up in which like dudes act like 
they don't exude these behaviors um, around their boys when indeed they do. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's the biggest takeaway here, Aaron, is just can be hyper aware of how you might be making a woman feel. And number two, if you have reservations about what's going on, or if, if you are indeed making her feel uncomfortable, my God, just ask, am I making you feel uncomfortable? Three, when she says that she is, offer an apology, modify your behavior, mm-hmm. and move on. Applying pressure applies to someone who has consented to you applying pressure, okay? Like, that's what that means. Um, There are circumstances where, yeah, go ahead and send that raunchy text or whatever you want to do. Like, but she is going to let you know when that is okay. Like, and (laughs) we're we're on the same page, man. You know, on the same page. And if you have to wonder, (laughs) yeah, if you have to wonder, then it's probably not good. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. Period. Period. All right. What does this mean for the Texans? They're going to be awful this year. Um, and again, and honestly, I, I, I would, <clears throat> as an organization, my posture would be, we're going to be really bad. We have a lot of holes. This is a three to four year project, honestly. I mean, this, this, they, they, they've got one of the longer, I think, rebuild jobs in front of them. I don't want to say the NFL history, but maybe in history, because they have so many holes from not having first round picks. And then they've got a quarterback accused of what he's accused of. I would sit him. I wouldn't play him. Um, there's got to be there got to be some clauses in yes. his contract to help to help mitigate whatever cap hits might take place. Um, if 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 that becomes the case, I might even release him before the season starts. Um, take the minor cap hit that that takes. It will eat the the eat the uh, signing bonus and just say, you know what, we are going to have the number one pick because they are going to be the worst team of football next year. Um, <laughs> and you know we're gonna start start over with Tyler Shaw or Sam Howe or whoever. Um, I think for them, this has to be a hard reset as an organization. Um, has to be. And, and I, I don't see any, I don't see any world in which they can, they can move forward with him as their quarterback. Um, it, 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 their situation reminds me of where Atlanta was uh, in 2008. Uh, yeah. And I love Mike. Yeah. But, and granted, let's be clear. Dogfighting is not anywhere near in the wheelhouse as sexual assault, sexual harassment and rape. Okay. So, um, so nowhere near Mike Vick deserved to play again. I don't know if Deshaun Watson deserves to play again. I think we'll see what happens with the lawsuits and what comes out. Um, but I think it's akin in some ways to where Atlanta found themselves in 2008. Houston just got to start over. They, they got to clean house, wash hands, um, and, and try to get that organization back to some respectability. Yeah, man. And and I'll, you mentioned briefly at the beginning, and we've talked about this. The problem with the, uh, the, the sexual assault lawsuits aside, him requesting a trade after signing an extension, which you signed an extension under a coach you didn't believe in, yep. under an organization you didn't believe in, just a year later, you say you want to – nothing – Nothing changed from year to year. So that, and I'm all for requesting trades and all of that, but I just don't understand the timing. Bro, you could have requested a trade last offseason and been traded to any team, what, about other than two? (laughs) Seattle and, um, you know, Kansas City, maybe three. So, any team other than probably the top, you know, you know, five teams in the NFL would like you on your on their roster as QB one. Mm-hmm. 
So if I just don't know what changed drastically from year to year, because you could have requested a trade last year, been traded and signed an extension with yep. that new team. Yeah. And I think they signed him two years earlier. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, because he. Yeah. So and that that's the only part I don't get about the extension. Or the trade request, I mean. <laughs> it's like you could have gone anywhere except what? Seattle, Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Green Bay. Like that's literally almost anyone you got else. Four or five teams. <laughs> almost <laughs> anyone else would it take. Even, you know, may, maybe Minnesota, but like like every other team with a decent quarterback, like if, if Atlanta can get Deshaun Watson last year, they take him. All right. If Minnesota can get, you know what I mean? And so I don't want to say it's a character flaw. That's that's a big leap. But these guys starting to sign extensions and then 10 months later asking for trades, it's kind of starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> because it's, it's essentially I, the only thing that makes sense is, well, the Texans can pay me the most. Right. So let me get all my money. And I already have in my mind a year later, I'm leaving. Maybe all of this is calculated. Now, if it is, it's all about the money because I'm getting the most money from the organization I've been playing with. Then mm-hmm. I'm request a trade. Whoever wants me is going to pay me too, but they couldn't have paid me what the Texans paid me. Yeah. So if, if that's the case, then it makes sense. But then, bro, you got the sexual assault charges and all of that. So, you know, maybe if, because if he's mm. on the commissioner's M list, they don't get paid, right? Mm. Or do they get paid? About to look it up, but I never thought about that. This might have been anybody known this was coming. I'm assuming Goodell is going to say, you know, nah, bro, you can't play until this is happening. So if he's on that exempt list, if he's getting paid, then I don't want to say he's chilling because this is, you know, a serious <laughs> matter. But Cat's still getting paid 40 plus million to sit at home. So. No, that- that would be even more concerning is that if he knew this stuff was the potential or it was coming down the yes. pipe that he went ahead and signed. Because you you make a good point. He signed it a couple of years early. Um, yeah. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson still haven't gotten their extensions. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, so, this is a touchy situation. Um, it and I, is. I, I don't think I don't think it's done. I don't think we're done, you know, seeing the fallout from it. Um, I think the Texans just got they got to cut bait. They, they got to cut bait. Um and just be they cool going one and fifteen, and just start over. It's okay. They, um, one and fifteen, they, they they were going to go what four and twelve, five and well, anyway. seventeen games now. Oh but, yeah, one and sixteen. <laughs> so they were going to go. They were going to go five and twelve, or four and so thirteen, weird. and be awful and not have any draft capital. So, just cut bait. This is a five six year rebuild, man. <laughs> well, they get, they got their pick next year. They got the first round pick. So, but they don't have a lot of picks. Oh no no no! Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a, yeah. They don't have a lot of picks. You know what? It's like they're starting over. It feels like 2002. Like they are an expansion franchise. Yes. So if you're gonna start over, cut bait. Yeah. Yeah. Just take the hit. <laughs> yeah. All right, Texans. Time to start over. You should have hired Lewis Reddick, by the way. Um. <laughs> moving on to our a little bit a little bit lighthearted. Uh, our big boards. Our top ten. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure there is a mix and match of some of the same guys within here. Mm-hmm. Um, what you want to do, 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? I think let's do one. Um, yeah. One, one should one. be obvious. You know, actually, before we say it, I, I saw one draft prognosticator try to get cute 
Um, I say, oh, I think Kyle Pitts might be the best player in this draft. I'm like, yeah, yeah, y'all, you don't have to try that hard to be different. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, no one wants to hear, you know, your argument for anybody other than you got Trevor Lawrence, right? Number one. I don't. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm not. So, for one, I'm not. Okay. When I'm thinking about big board, obviously, you know, quarter. But one quarterbacks, you can make the argument if you're even ranking top 10 um, or top players in the NFL, you can say, all right, I'm going to put all of the great quarterbacks first just because of how much they have to do. Fair. So I I get that argument. And I honestly, Trevor, obviously Trevor Lawrence is my QB one. Um, But I'm that guy. I'm Kyle Pitts, man. <laughs> Why? I'm Kyle Pitts, and I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you started it with that because <laughs> we now finally gotta, disagree now, on something. Now I got to hear the argument. I, I got to hear this one. So, so I have Jamar. Um, I, I I went most of the year. Um, just I'm talking about my receivers. Mm-hmm. I had. Um, Coming into you, I had Jamar Chase, uh, wide receiver one, mm-hmm. and I think Jalen Waddle two. Can't remember who I had three and four and five. But as the year went on, like man, Jalen Waddle is wide receiver one. Without um, and then um, you know, then the combine or not the combine, but the pro days, pro day season, and all of that happened. Jamar Chase did his numbers, and at first you think four three. Okay, maybe it's a fluke, but when you see the vertical, the broad, and nah, this is an explosive athlete. And so I'm thinking about just wide receivers, and then I'm watching Kyle Pitts all of uh, all of last year. I can make an argument: Kyle Pitts is wide receiver one. I can give that argument. Not okay. not from what he ran. This yeah. is watching the film and then watching the numbers. He's four four five and all of the intangibles and all of that. And I just watched him shred Alabama's defense in the SEC title game. So oh, it was awful. when you get <laughs> – and and all of this, he split out wide sometimes, but I'm thinking uh, matchup nightmare. If he's at a tight end spot, you're going to have an outside linebacker or a safety that has to cover him one-on-one. How many safeties play man-to-man? Oof. Not that many. I'm yeah. thinking Minka Fitzpatrick, Tyran Matthew, uh, you know, a few. And they're too small. He's yep. six, six, 240. He's just going to bully him. I can make an argument right now. Who's the best tight? Who, who would you say the best tight in the league is? Side the Travis George Kelsey, Little, yeah, Travis Kittle. Kelsey. Yeah. Greg Kittle. He's smoother than all of them right now. Oh, without question. His routes look beautiful. Without it's like question. a Ken Griffey Jr. swing. He's, he's faster than all of them right now. He's a better athlete than all of them right now. Obviously, you know depending on what offense he's in, um, the numbers he'll um, put up. But I can make an argument he's a better tight end, obviously a not better blocker. Um, but a be- no. and Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey doesn't block. So <laughs> He'd be George out there playing block. Patty Kate. Yeah, he is Kittle a wide block, receiver. But, but anyway, different conversation. <laughs> I can make an argument just because the uh, matchup nightmares, you can put him in a slot, you can put him outside, and you can put his hand in the dirt. Yes. That he's the yes. coming in. He his player comp is um uh what's his name? Oakland. 
Tight end. Oh Oakland. man, I'm mad. We What's traded that guy. Me too, Darren Waller. <laughs> there it is. Oh, he a beast, man. Darren what Waller you... was a receiver at Georgia Tech. He gained some weight, and basically they moved in the tight end. But he's essentially a receiver. He's yeah. Darren Waller already. So that that's my argument. He's Kyle Pitts is my wide receiver and tight end one. <laughs> <laughs> to me, just because he's a matchup nightmare. If you don't have a 6'2", 6'3", corner that's yeah. 210 pounds, you're not covering that guy. Yeah. Because he doesn't even have to get separations. He gonna, he's going to body you and catch, you know, 50-50 uh, balls, and he's going to get open. So that, that that's my argument for the best player in the draft. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, so for what it's worth, I got Cal Pitts number two. All right. So he's not he's not too far off. Um I got you. <laughs> you know, I, I just I, I think Trevor and, and you're right, you know, because my explanation for having Trevor number one is I think he's a he's a generational prospect at the most important position. And and so, yeah, yeah, that, I, I think that's I what it. helps. That's what helps me <clears throat> push him over the top. There's nothing he can't do. Does he have the strongest arm? No, he probably doesn't have the best arm in his draft, to be honest. Um, I, I, I'd probably give that to Zach Wilson, but. He's got a good enough arm. He can make all the throws, you know, great in the pocket. When you outrun Ohio State defenders, you got some speed. So he's going to be able to move yeah. around. And he's going to need to because that offensive line is going to be a little tough this year. Um, <laughs> you know, and then who knows what Urban, what kind of offense Urban Meyer is going to try to do that's going to have him taking, you know, a ridiculous amount of hits. Um, the shoulder. What would you say? I can't remember. But I forgot who they hired at OC to, to think about what kind of offense they were going to run, but. Uh, we'll look it up. But yeah, that O line is gonna be off. The O line is gonna be. What lower. I think though, what I what I do think, um, Jacksonville has two picks, right? First round. Yes. So this is a trade that I'm projecting. Uh oh. All right, Mel Kiper. <laughs> this is a this. I don't even project trade. This this is kind of what I want to. Um, they're gonna trade Orlando Brown. They're gonna trade for Orlando hmm. Brown because I don't think Baltimore is trading him you know no less than a second because they'll just keep first i want exactly they're thinking first jacksonville you you everybody knows they're drafting trevor lawrence and you need a left tackle for him got to so got to you're gonna you're gonna spend that first round pick for a left tackle anyway and you got cap space sign him sign him to an extension or i mean trade him sign him to an extension you use what i think they have the 15th pick uh whatever so, 25th. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. 25th, but, hey. I, I would make it. that trade in a heartbeat. I would trade 25th overall pick make for Orlando Brown and put him at left tackle in a heartbeat. Like, make it in a heartbeat because Baltimore is probably going to get maybe an offensive lineman with one of those picks anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, that, that That's an easy pick. That would leave Baltimore with 25 and 27 in the first round. Jacksonville's not exactly. getting a player as good as Orlando Brown Jr. at 25. They're so, not. <laughs> So this is where it comes proven, and he's what twenty three. He he's a he was an incredibly young rookie. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would do that. Uh, Jacksonville offensive coordinator is Daryl Bevel, which gives me concern because their passing game coordinator is Brian Schottenheimer. He's gonna take a lot of hits this year. Um, yes. He's gonna take he a lot of hits, and because they they he, like to throw it downfield. They like to throw it downfield, even when they don't have the personnel to throw it downfield. That's yes. a different conversation. <laughs> we can we can talk about. Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel some some other time. 
Um, That's Lord crazy God. that both of them were the previous Seattle OCs. Man, they're no longer there for both a of them. <laughs> that's, that's that's all I'm gonna say. Um, but that's why I got Trevor Lawrence number one. The intangibles, I, I think I he's gonna. I, I think he's he's gonna wherever he well he's gonna land in Jacksonville if he wants to be there. And he strikes me as somebody who's gonna enjoy Jacksonville. Is gonna call it home. Not somebody who's gonna be trying to go to no bigger market or whatever. Like I just yeah. I don't see that he can be there for twenty years um, and just really be the face of the place. I got Cal Pitts too. I'm not gonna rehash it. A lot of the same reasons. I have Trevor Lawrence too. <laughs> then there you go. Just one, just swap. That's fine. Okay, that's cool. Um, I take back all my all my vitriol at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> but for those who say we don't, we don't, we don't, we agree too much. There we go. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, third, I got Penny Sewell. I I I, okay. I I I've been thinking he's the second coming of Walter Jones for two years now. I feel like I gotta I gotta stay with that stance. Um, even though he, I think they played four games last year. Um, I just, I just think. Well, we knew that second, coming in. It was yeah. Number one time. I think, honestly, at the top of this draft, those three guys, I think they're all generational prospects in their own right. Trevor at quarterback, Kyle Pitts at tight end slash wide receiver, and Penny Sewell at tackle. So he's my third choice. If he's available for Cincinnati at five and they pass on him, uh, they need to fire Zach Taylor in that front office because you can't keep getting Joe Burrow nicked up like that. And this is this is his last year. If I know it's Cincy, but bro, you haven't shown they've lost. They they've been in some games. I'm not saying they haven't shown improvement, but at the same time, they've been bad, bro. You got to win some games, bro. Yes, <laughs> you got to show some improvement. You have to show some improvement in the <laughs> win loss column. There's no. This is not for long league, so. You have to win, man. Yeah, they man. went what I think five and eleven last year. Uh they had a tie, uh, so four eleven and one. Four eleven and one. And they were in some games that they could have won, but they didn't win them. So I mean, you got Joe Burrow. I know he's coming off of ACL, but an ACL these days is like a sprained ankle. He'll be fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll be ready for training camp. You you better protect him. You better protect them, and you got some picks. You got some young players, and they better win by seven, at least seven games. <laughs> at, least. at least. And you got another game to try to get to seven. You got to go seven and ten, at least, or he got to go. Because you, you finally did something right. You've got a franchise quarterback, period. Joe Burrow yep. is that guy. They were in a lot of games when he played. Um, yeah. and then, and then he went down and everything just tanked. But, but I think for me that that's, that's more of the, that speaks more to who Zach Taylor is as a coach, because yeah. you can get almost anybody in there to come in and coach a team with Joe Burrow at quarterback, but can this team still be competitive without him? Now they had, you know, they played, I mean, they played Houston close. Okay, great. It's Houston. They won that game. Right. Um, <laughs> and then they beat Pittsburgh, but at that point, Pittsburgh was just, Division rival, primetime game, so on and so forth. Anyway, yep, we'll, yep, we'll get into this. Yep. Um, they got to make some improvement. Penny Sewell, my third on the big board. They better take him if he's available at five. Otherwise, they need to they need to start figuring out what they're going to do now that they got a franchise guy at quarterback. Who you got third? I have um, I have Jamar Chase. Who? I got Jam- I got Jamar Chase, and like I said, I went back and forth with he and Waddle. Um, 
the difference for me and they're they're close like they're real close because what i seen Jalen Waddle do before he went down is he can do everything he can catch the ball in traffic he can um catch a slant and go 70 yep um he can catch the ball uh, um he can get hits and take hits so he's not you know 160 and he's not uh, obviously has the home run home, uh, home run speed, and he's not Henry Ruggs 2.0 because he's already a better mm-hmm. route runner yes. than Henry Ruggs. You know he's not like Jerry Judy route running, but he's going to get open because of his speed. Uh, but what I seen Jamar Chase, I had to go back and watch the film because this man just shredded everybody. Everybody, you it know, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, that LSU offense was historic, but just yeah. watching him one on one, he was beating the top corners. And so, when I initially put Waddle over Chase, I was just thinking about the separation factor. Chase didn't get a lot of separation, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because he was going to catch 50 50 balls or like 90 10 to him. His catch radius. He's going to high point it. <laughs> He's going to high point it. His yeah. catch rate is, is crazy. <laughs> and I think anywhere he goes, um, and I can't remember where I have him going, um, but anywhere anywhere he goes, if he has a above average quarterback, he's going to do Justin Jefferson numbers mm-hmm. in his first year. Mm-hmm. And what put him what put him over the top for me is man, I didn't think he ran 438. I think he ran 438, 437. He had a 41 and a half vertical um, <laughs> vertical leap, and he jumped, I think, 11-something in a broad jump. So we're talking about an explosive athlete, plus you saw the film production to match. So I, I have Chase three. I have Sewell four. <laughs> so Okay. Um, yeah, so Chase three, I have Sewell four. Yeah, so I'm gonna go my four, five, four, five, six, seven here. So I got Jamar Chase fourth, so not 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 far behind. Um, I got Jalen Waddle fifth. Waddle was wide receiver one for me going into the season. Um, yep. I think a part of that was because I wanted to see Jamar Chase do what he did in 2019 and 2020 without Joe Burrow, and then you know pandemic yeah. hit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I got Chase fourth. Like you said, going back looking at some of the tape, the way he just like just just annihilated. Uh, DB DBs who are going to play on Sundays for years too, like who are playing on Sundays now already, right? Like, like. we Jamar Chase made us think AJ Terrell was sorry, bro. We really did because that was, was like our this- lasting, that was our last impression of AJ Terrell. Oh, he man. made us think all Falcons Falcons fan were outraged because their yeah. lasting memory of AJ Terrell was getting killed <laughs> by Jamar Chase. Yeah. Not knowing that Terrell was doing numbers against everybody else. Yeah. Like Terrell's actually pretty but good. He had a pretty good rookie year. He's a pretty good uh, corner, man. <laughs> so he – and it was it was easy for him. Yeah, he made – every the, the entire offense made everything look easy. But most of the time, I don't know why, they were playing man-to-man on Jamar Chase. <laughs> and he was just killing guys. So it's not going to be that much different in the league. And he played in the SEC. Yeah. And yes, he killed Alabama DBs too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Alabama DBs not going to play on Sundays for a long time. Um, but yeah, j- as, as, go ahead. My bad. Your point about Jalen Waddle, 
Jalen Waddle did the same thing against yes. elite DBs. Yes. Go back and watch Georgia tape. There was separate. You're going to see Tyson Campbell is probably going to go top 60. And then uh, Eric Stokes is going to go top 50 probably. And they couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up. I mean, these guys just like, they just disrespect guys who are going to be top 60, top 90 picks on a week in a week out basis, you know? Um, and it's just like, honestly, I might even add Jamar Chase into the generational talent at wide receiver. It's hard because he didn't play last year, but yeah. these top four guys, like, you know, Pitts, Lawrence, Sewell, Chase, these these are some special guys. I got Jamar Chase for Jalen Waddle. I got at five, um, six and seven. I got a little bit of curveball. So I got Michael Parsons at six. He opted out this last season too. So no tape on him. I actually thought earlier in the year, he was the second best player in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence last off season. Um, I, I, I think he's going to have a chance to really show just how much, how great and prolific of a pass rusher he can be and more of a blitzing, not necessarily – Penn State sent them on blitzes a lot. Um, I think at the next mm-hmm. level, if I end up with Michael Parsons, I'm going to have his hand in the dirt a little bit more, give him a chance to get up the field. He can get out and cover. Uh, he can play in space. Uh, but he can, you know, he can get to the quarterback. Um, and 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 so I got him as number six. I think he's got a chance to be um, a game changer on defense as well. At seven, I got Rashawn Slater, a tackle out of Northwestern. He's been rising up big boards. Um, pretty tremendously as well. The problem with all these guys is he opted out of last year as well. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you just don't have – I mean, out of, out of my top seven, what, two guys played last year? Well, Waddle got hurt. So, I mean, pretty much he didn't play, though, after, you know, he, he, he pretty, broke yeah. his leg. And so yeah. this is an interesting draft because, yeah, Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Pitts played. Penny Sewell opted out. Jamar Chase opted out. Jalen Waddle, season in the injury. Michael Parsons opted out. Rashawn Slater opted out. Um, and I'm just close out my next top 10. So I got Patrick Sertain the second at number eight. Um, I don't think he's, you know, locked down, shut down an entire side of the field type guy. But per- sorry, he doesn't make business decisions either. So he can come up. He can make tackles, play in space. He's got enough speed to, to, to stay with guys on the outside. Um, nine and 10 is where I actually introduced some of these other quarterbacks. I got Zach Wilson, nine, Justin Fields, 10. And this is my issue, right? Like the, I, I cannot make an argument and say that Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are better overall players than anybody I put in front of them um, just because they play quarterback. And so, yeah, um, I think that's there. They come in. At. How's your top 10 roundup? All right. So I have, <clears throat> what are, what did I stop on? You gave us, uh, I'm at number, five. I'm at five. Yeah. All right, so five, I have Waddle um, <coughs> for all the, um, all the reasons we mentioned. Six, I have Parsons at six. Uh, Parsons at six. Seven, I actually have J.C. Horn as my cornerback uh, one because – I need you on three DB in there. Yeah, I got to throw a DB in there. <laughs> so, so I like Patrick Sertan. So when I watch him – he does everything well. He doesn't do one thing great. But, I mean, that's not a bad yes. thing. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, he reminds me of the prototypical Alabama DB, whereas you just plug and play. Uh-huh. You put him in a defense, um, and you'll see um, he will be perfect for Dallas. 
uh, because he'll, he'll be perfect for Dallas because they have, I think they still have, no, they have uh, Dan Quinn. And Alabama runs Ooh. a lot of um, man bail or cover three bail. And that's what, you know, Dan Quinn likes to do. But I like J.C. Horn a little bit better. He's, he's more scrappier and he's sticky in coverage. Everything else, as far as zone coverage and things like that, you can develop. I, I feel like you can develop zone awareness and um, things like that easier than you just becoming a better man-to-man corner. Because yeah. sometimes man-to-man corner, man, either got it or you don't. Yeah. Like you can you can get better <laughs> at your technique or things like that, but that's a mentality. Yeah, I'm gonna get in your face. I'm a dog out here. I'm gonna lock you down. Yeah, and I can. Okay, so J.C. Horn. I remember watching him last year when South Carolina upset Georgia. The other corner, uh, I can't I can't remember his name, but he's six four and he caught three interceptions off of Jake Fromm. But I'm watching J.C. Horn on the other side <laughs> because he's sticking coverage. He's up in guys' faces, and you know he's just locking them down. J.C. Horn has covered Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, <laughs> um, uh, Kendarius Tony from Florida, um, Grimes from Florida. So, and nobody had a great day on him in two years. The last two years, nobody had a great day on him. And he's in man-to-man coverage. That's all Will Muschamp wants to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for that, I have J.C. Horn ahead of um, Patrick Sertan. But I think both are going to be great pros. Um, so, J.C. Horn at seven. I have Rashawn Slater at eight. I actually have Zach Wilson at nine. Um, I think I want to eh. – <laughs> I'm going to switch that. So, I have Devontae Smith at nine, Zach Wilson at 10. Mm. No fear. That rounds out my top 10. No Justin Fields, huh? I have Justin Fields right outside at 11. Okay. Okay. You know, people so, are going to call you racist for that, right? Uh, <laughs> I already know. <laughs> we need to, I mean, I think we discussed this we did. on, you know, <sighs> the, the last part. I don't think, I'm not saying it's a big gap, right. but I'm just saying, you know, as a prospect and who knows, I hope Zach Wilson lands in New York and I hope Justin Fields lands in San Fran. And Justin Fields have a great better game. career than Zach Wilson. I, I hope he does. Rooting for everybody. But as a prospect, just watching them throw, you know, I think as far as the throws you can make, you can be wild by Justin Fields and you can be wild by Zach Wilson. That's not a crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can like both. I just think he has a little bit more arm talent than Justin Fields. That's all. Justin Fields moves better as far as straight line speed, but Straight line speed isn't all you need as far as quarterback. You just got to be nimble in the pocket. He and um, Trevor Lawrence are very nimble in the pocket, and they can escape as far as maneuvering inside the pocket and getting their throws off. So that's why I have Zach Wilson slightly above Justin Fields. But Yeah, yeah. Same here. I think Zach will. I mean, you know. He's not immensely better than Justin Fields, but I would take Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. Um, in a heartbeat. And I know, you know, like we got a lot of Jets fans, friends, and they're upset and they want the team to take fields. Wilson's a better prospect. I'm going to put it that way. 
Yeah. Much better arm. Um, I don't want to say much better mobility. He just moves a little bit cleaner, a little bit better yeah. outside there. All right. Um, I got JC Horn number 11 for what it's worth right outside the top. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our, uh, our top 10 mock drafts uh, right after this. 